to another episode of the Morning. Feminist Women Housewives podcast. Housewives. I'm your host, Lindsay, and we're bringing you another episode in our series, A Year of Polygamy, for the Feminist Women Housewives podcast, where we're exploring the, we're dedicating the whole year to exploring the practice of plural marriage as it applies to Mormonism, both in our past and our and present. And uh, we're still in Nauvoo right now. We're stuck back in the 1800s. We've now moved up into the 1840s, and we are talking about the wives of Joseph Smith right now. If this is your first time tuning in, I would recommend that you start with episode one with Fanny Alger and work your way up from there. Today, though, we're talking about Lucy Walker Smith. She is a controversial figure in this story because Joseph would marry her very, very young. And before we get started, I want to define our terms a little bit. I want to make it clear that when we talk about this story, Often people say, throw out accusations like Joseph Smith was a pedophile. And let's be clear that pedophilia has a very specific definition, which means being attracted to prepubescent children. And there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that Joseph was attracted to prepubescent children. These children um, were in their teens. They were probably... Um, somewhat developed. So, so that is just not a term that should be used or applied to these scenarios. And although there are problems with child brides, uh, Joseph Smith did not invent this practice. Um, I'm not apologizing for him marrying young children. I'm just saying that we cannot apply terms that don't fit here. And that one does not fit here. And again, there's some controversy whether there was an actual physical relationship or not. That's another part of the component of the relationship. But let's talk about Lucy Walker Smith, and then I'll read you some things and you can draw your own conclusions. Lucy Walker was born in Peacham, Vermont on April 30th, 1826. Her father was introduced to the church and baptized in 1832. Her mother soon followed and was baptized two years later. The family left Vermont in 1834 to gather with the saints in the West, where they would help found a small branch of the church in Ogdensburg, New York. There's a story that I found that says, in 1838, the Walker family, along with the members of the Ogdensburg branch, removed to Missouri, passing through Kirtland, Ohio, which had been evacuated by most of the saints before crossing the line into Caldwell County, Missouri. The small company of saints traveling in wagons was surrounded by a mob consisting of about 40 men with painted faces who searched the wagon, took away all the arms and ammunition, and ordered some of the women and children out into the snow, among whom was Lucy's mother. The company then continued the journey until they reached a point within five miles of Hans Mill, where they formed a camp. Father Walker then proceeded to the mill to counsel with President Joseph Young and others who were stopping there temporarily. This was on October 30th, 1838, the memorable day on which the massacre took place. During the shooting, Lucy's father was wounded in the arm. So we know that Lucy was involved in that um, important part of Mormon history. 
After what was said to be much suffering and hardships, the Walker family arrived in Nauvoo in the spring of 1841. That same year, Lucy's mother contracted malaria and died months later in January 1842, leaving 10 children behind. So again, we talked a lot about malaria. Malaria was very common in Nauvoo. It was a huge problem. It affected a lot of the people that lived there, and her mother would die from it, leaving 10 children behind. Her father, John, was heartbroken, and his health seemed to give away. And Lucy, quote, remembers, quote, The prophet came to the rescue. He said, If you remain here, Brother Walker, you will soon follow your wife. You must have a change of scene, a change of climate. You have just such a family as I could love. My house shall be their home. Place the little ones with kind friends, and the four elders shall come to my house and be received and treated as my own children. The change of scene and climate that Joseph had in mind for John Walker was a two-year mission to the eastern states. In response to the arrangement, Lucy said, I wrung my hands in the agony of despair at the thought of being broken up as a family and being separated from the little ones. So yeah, so it's it's kind of a sad state that um, their mother dies and they have ten children left and the father has to go right away on a mission. That was a little disheartening. Um, but 15-year-old Lucy would move into the house of Joseph Smith. While living in the Smith home, Lucy remembers, In the year 1842, President Joseph Smith sought an interview with me and said, I have a message for you. I have been commanded of God to take another wife, and you are the woman. My astonishment knew no bounds. This announcement was indeed a thunderbolt to me. He asked me if I believed him to be a prophet of God. Most assuredly, I do, I replied. He fully explained to me the principle of plural or celestial marriage, said this principle was again to be restored for the benefit of the human family, that it would prove an everlasting blessing to my father's house. So he approaches her, and she's shocked, right? She's young. She's had this trauma. Her mom has died. Her father's moved away in a mission. Her whole family has been split up. And now she's offered this and, and saying that, listen, I'm your prophet, and, the God is, and God is commanding both of us to do this. So Joseph says to her, quote, What do you have to say? Nothing. How could I speak, or what would I say? Tempted and tortured beyond endurance until life was not desirable. Oh, that the grave would kindly receive me, that I might rest on the bosom of my dear mother. Why, why should I be chosen from among thy daughters, father? I am only a child in years and experience. No mother to counsel, no father near to tell me what to do in this trying hour. Oh, let this bitter cup pass. And thus I prayed in the agony of my soul. It was really important for Joseph to keep the marriage a secret, and he promised that he would someday acknowledge her as his wife beyond the Rocky Mountains. He then gave her an ominous ultimatum. It is a command of God to you. I will give you until tomorrow to decide this matter. If you reject this message, the gate will be closed forever against you. This aroused every drop of scotch in my veins. I felt at this moment that I was called to place myself upon the altar, a living sacrifice, perhaps to brook the world in disgrace and incur the displeasure and contempt of my youthful companions. All my dreams of happiness blown to the four winds. 
This was too much. The thought was unbearable. Feeling the heavy burden of her own eternal salvation and the thought of her family, and with the warning of a deadline, Lucy would devote herself to prayer and spent an entire night pleading to God. As morning broke and Joseph's deadline came, she, quote, received a powerful and irresistible testimony of the truth of the marriage covenant called celestial or plural marriage. And afterwards, and I afterwards married Joseph as a plural wife and lived and cohabitated with him as such. Those are her words, that she lived and cohabitated with him. So, Lucy married Joseph on May 1st, 1843. She would be 17 years old by the time she married him. At the time, Emma was busy, Emma Smith was busy and distracted in St. Louis buying supplies for the Nauvoo Hotel. Lucy remembers, quote, Emma Smith was not present, and she did not consent to the marriage. She did not know anything about it at all. It was not a love matter, so to speak, in our affairs. At least on my part it was not, but simply the giving up of myself as a sacrifice to establish that grand and glorious principle that God had revealed to the world. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit and talk about her affidavit, because with especially with these young child brides, people are very interested in the sexual component Again, I, I think that that's, I mean, there's so much, it, it's, it's an important part, but I don't think it's the, the entire part. And I think we often focus on it too much, but let's talk about her affidavit. Now, remember, I talk about years later in the late 1800s, they have the Temple Lock case where a lot of these women are trying to prove that they were plural wives of Joseph Smith. It, it had to do with land rights and property and, um, a lot of these women would give their testimony through deposition. So this comes from Lucy Walker's deposition from the Temple Lot transcript. And um, I'm going to give you the Q&A just talking about what she was asked. And you can imagine what this was like for her years later to sit on the stand and talk about this in front of people and have it published. So the question was asked of her, can you state the circumstances under which Joseph Smith first taught you that principle of plural marriage? And her answer was, well, the circumstances were these. It was a command for, from God to me to receive it, and I would rather have laid down my life than disobeyed it. But it was a grand and glorious principle that was to be established, and when I was called upon, I stepped forward and gave myself up as a sacrifice to establish that principle. And I did that in the face of prejudice, of course, in this day and age. 1892, we are considered fanatics, of course, more or less. I gave myself up as a sacrifice, for it was not a matter of love, so to speak, in our affairs, at least on my part it was not, but simply the giving up of myself as a sacrifice to establish the grand and glorious principle that God had revealed to the world. The question came, did you live with Joseph Smith as his wife? Her answer, he was my husband, sir. Another question. How many children did you have by the virtue of your mar marriage with Joseph Smith? And her answer, I declined to answer that question, sir. Question, did you have any? Answer, I declined to answer that question. Question, have you any children by Joseph Smith? Answer, I declined to answer that question. Question, why do you decline to answer it? Answer, well, I think that is my business and none of yours. The principle by which we were married is an internal principle and will endure forever. 
Question. Will you, well, did you raise a child by him? Answer. I decline to answer that question. Question. Did you ever occupy the same bed with him? Answer. I decline to answer that question. Question. You say you will not answer any of these questions. Answer. I do. Not on that subject. The next question. Did you ever see a child that you knew was Joseph Smith's outside of David, Alexander, Frederick, and Joseph? Her answer. I decline to answer that question. Question. You know you do not have any children by him? Answer. Well, now that is something that I did not tell you anything about at all. It is none of your business. If we had 20 sons or children, it is none of your business if we did not have any. So that comes from her um, 1892 deposition on the Temple Lock case, which is interesting. And you can find that on Brian Hales' site, josephsmithpolygamy.com. So after Joseph died, let's let's go back to the martyrdom. Um, he dies, and like many of his plural wives, they are left without spiritual husbands and some left without physical husbands. So in June 1844, Lucy would be married to Heber C. Kimball. Explaining the relationship, Lucy said, The contract when I married Mr. Kimball was that I should be his wife for time and time only, and in the resurrection he would surrender me with my children to Joseph Smith. After the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram, she lived with her eldest brother, William. With other saints, she traveled to winter quarters in 1846 and then in 1848 arrived in the Valley of the Great Salt Lake. She would write in her journal, Since 1845, I have been the wife of President Heber C. Kimball, by whom I have had eight children, four sons and four daughters. I have lived in the same house with other members of his family, have loved them as dearly as my own sisters until it became necessary, as our children grew up around us, to have separate homes. Every mother has her own mode of government, and as children grow in years, it is more pleasant to have them under the immediate dictation of their own mother. I can truthfully state, however, that there is less room for jealousy where wives live under the same roof. They become interested in each other's welfare. They love each other's children. Besides, in my experience, I find the children themselves love each other as dearly as the children of one mother. In sickness, it has been a pleasure to minister to those in need. I will say here, too, that it is a grand school. It is needless for me to say anything in regards to the life and character of President Heber C. Kimball. He lived in the hearts of the people called Latter-day Saints, and his acts and works are known abroad. As time passed on, he seemed to appreciate more than ever his wives and growing children. His last words to me were that he had been agreeably pleased in my course of life and appreciated my example as a wife and mother, that none had excelled me in the home life. Wherever my lot had been cast, there he had found a place of peace and rest. Let me now thank you kindly for every kind word, for every kind act of life, and when I am gone, which will be but a short time, you shall be blessed and find friends. I leave my peace and blessing with you. May the peace of Heber ever abide in your habitation. These words were more precious to me than gold. Brigham Young taught that, quote, No man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. That was a pretty, fairly common teaching at the time. As Heber lay down on his deathbed, he called Lucy to be by his side, and hoping to win favor with Joseph, he asked her, quote, what can you tell Joseph when you meet him? 
Cannot you say that I have been kind to you as it was possible to be under the circumstances? I know you can, and I'm confident you will be as a mediator between me and Joseph. End quote. That's a really interesting thing to, to think about that Heber was so worried about his favor with Joseph Smith that he sent to his wife, uh, Lucy, to be kind of a consort. She would have eight children with Heber, who also took on the principle of plural marriage. He would be sealed to at least 43 wives and raise them in Salt Lake. And she raised her children in Salt Lake City. Now, I've talked about being, being a wife of Heber was not a happy life. Heber was gone a lot. He went on a lot of missions. His wives were separated, sometimes in different states. He was very, very poor, and so his wives were very, very poor. Lucy remained devout and bore this testimony of Joseph Smith. We marvel at the wonderful work Joseph accomplished during his brief life. From the time God heard his humble prayer and suffered him in vision to behold his face, Satan with all his hosts was arrayed against him. Contempt, reproach, and ridicule were poured in black profusion o'er his youthful head as if to blast the bud of character, to wither reputation, ere it could be strengthened by maturing years. But what availed the malice of the world with him? He'd seen a heavenly vision and heard the voice of the eternal God who cannot lie, and all the powers of darkness, speaking through the human tongue, could never teach him to unknow what he authentically knew. His eyes had seen, his ears had heard, He'd felt the power of the great eternal one. She was buried October 10th in 1910 in Salt Lake City, Utah. And if you go to the text, I have a copy of her death certificate. It's interesting to look at. So I think that there's a lot of fantastic, interesting information um, about Lucy's life. And there's a lot of debate whether her relationship with Joseph was more than just, you know, a ceiling I do. We have, we have several affidavits of her. Um, we have one that she gave in the territory of Utah. She, she would say, I'm going to read this, this for you. This is the, this is transcribed in December 1902. So eight years before her death. She said, I was a plural wife of the prophet Joseph Smith and was married for time and eternity in Nauvoo, state of Illinois. And on the first day of May 1843 by Elder William Clayton. The prophet was then living with his first wife, Emma Smith, and I know that she gave consent to the marriage of at least four women to her husband as plural wives, and she was well aware that he associated and cohabitated with them as wives. The names of these women are Eliza and Emily Partridge and Maria and Sarah Lawrence, all of whom knew I too was his wife. When the prophet Joseph Smith mentioned the principle of plurge, plural marriage to me, I felt indignant and so expressed myself to him because my feelings and education were averse to anything of that nature. But he assured me that this doctrine had been revealed to him of the Lord and that I was entitled to receive a testimony of its divine origin for myself. He counseled me to pray to the Lord, which I did, and thereupon received from him a powerful and irresistible testimony of the truth, truthfulness and divinity of plural marriage, which testimony has abided with me ever since." On the 8th day of February, 1845, I was married for time to President Heber C. Kimball and bore to him nine children. And this connection allowed me to say to his everlasting credit that during his whole of my married life with him, he never failed to regard me as the wife for eternity of his devoted friend, the Prophet Joseph Smith. End quote. So you can see that she was um, a big believer in this principle. She gave her entire life, starting at a young age, to it. And uh, 
Even though she had children with Heber, she never considered him her full husband. So that's an interesting, interesting story. So thank you for listening to the story of the wife of Lucy Walker-Smith. I uh, hope you're enjoying this series. If you are, you can show your appreciation by leaving a donation at feministmormonhousewivespodcast.org. I'd also like to thank Gerilyn Poole for doing the reading of Lucy Walker-Smith this time. And we will see you again on our series a year of polygamy.